you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme for this Easter Saturday morning here on Midwest Radio. And Porek Horkin is in the studio with us. Good morning. Good morning, Deirdre, and happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to you. I was going to say it in Irish and then I said, do I know all the words? That's (laughs) awful. I might understand. What are the two? Um, Good morning to you. You've come come with plants Well, I was going to bring Easter eggs and I I knew that the listeners probably had sent you in a box loads of Easter eggs. There's no point doing that. We're wading through the chocolate. So I said I'd bring you two lovely plants, um, particularly the gerber. Oh, I'm... Absolutely. Please, if you do have uh, web or uh, web access, uh, look in on the webcam because it's absolutely stunning. It's it's uh, gorgeous, uh, orange and green leaves, and it's really beautiful. Yeah, and the, fl- the beautiful orange flowers. <sighs> Fabulous. On it. I suppose it's a, a touch of Easter, and uh, it, it the, this is an outdoor gerbera. We often associate gerberas with inside, and people would know them as a cut flower. I was going to say now there, you know, me and my knowledge is very limited, uh, but it is a, it's the smaller version you tend to see in the bunches of flowers. That's right, there, as, yeah. a, as a cut flower. Mm. And uh, But this is an outdoor variety of gerbera. So if you wanted a little bit of colour over Easter, say for a pot or a container outside on the patio or outside on, on outside the hall door or wherever, then the outdoor ger- gerbera would be beautiful. Just starting to flower now. It should continue to flower right through the summer up to the end of July, early August. And it comes not just in, I brought this apricot is that the colour April? orange I suppose it's a rich very rich orange well, it comes in red yeah, it's, it, I, I just say it's orange colour but uh, it is yeah it's, it's really stunning and it, it makes you feel like spring and Doesn't summer it? and it just yeah absolutely a really really nice mm. plant so that's the outdoor gerbera as I say it comes in yellows reds pinks oranges whites and again if you just wanted a splash of colour something a bit different and the flowers are so large it's very distinctive the other plant I, I brought along I know you're looking at it there saying why the hell did you bring that it, thing is in is it some kind of a geranium it is I'm guessing it, and there's no flowers on it <laughs> no um, so it, it looks a little bit boring but it's actually the lemon scented geranium and the reason I brought it in is that it only comes available around this time of year okay but it's the plant that keeps the flies the blue flies smell it there crush the leaf just crush the leaf oh and, isn't it Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's a beautiful mm. lemon lemon scent from the foliage. But flies of all descriptions dislike the smell of citrus or the, the smell of lemons. So if, you, if you've got the old blue fly hanging around in the windowsill or in the house somewhere, then get yourself a little lemon-scented geranium. And they're very cheap to buy. Right. They're, they're, they will flower. They produce a nice pink flower. This, this variety is actually called Orange Fizz. It's got a nice... I suppose a cerise pink um, flower and the foliage is supposed to smell of oranges or citruses but I think it smells more of lemons Mm. but it actually is a great plant um, to keep blue flies and the old old flies at bay at bay they dislike the smell of it and and the leaf just to crush the leaf or if you've got a warm conservatory Mm. or warm room you'll actually get that essential oils the smell coming out itself I just noticed when I'm rubbing my fingers on it now uh, and It's really, it's really coming out. Isn't it? Mm, it's a really mm. strong lemony Gorgeous. scent. So a good plant. I know it looks a little bit insignificant, um, but it's, um, so I'll let you go home with the gerbera. <laughs> uh, but this no. one, this one certainly is good for, and people often ask us for something that might be, you know, to keep the flies away in the house, that they're not, don't have to spray and so on. Get yourself a lemon scent. Oh, I'm, I'm intrigued with windowsill. that. Yeah, You'll have it for years. It, it grows exactly like an ordinary geranium. geranium. So the trick is not to overwater, to keep it a little bit on the uh, underwatering side, okay. just water it maybe once a fortnight keep it in a bright location on a windowsill would be ideal, an odd liquid feed in the summer it it propagates very easily from cuttings, so once you have it you can 
uh, take cuttings from it and hand them around to the neighbours or friends or whatever. And it's a plant you'll have for years, for yeah. years and years and years. So it's in the geranium family, you're quite right, but it's particularly unusual in that it has that lovely lemon citrus yeah, scent and the flies. Can, we love it. Still it, smell it off but my the fingers, sli- yeah, the flies yeah. don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, there you are. what's different. an organic way to there keep uh, the old insects at bay if yeah. they are bothering you, if we are fortunate to have a lovely hot summer and that they're buzzing around. Well, they're starting already. I, I see them yeah, knocking around actually, already. Actually, I say, yeah, uh, the other evening I looked out and uh, the grass around our own area got cut and there was a massive amount of midgy type things around. Yeah, yeah so with the heat, you yeah. see, the, the mm. last two weeks, the, the heat has brought everything, everything. forward. Right. So there you go. We're going to go to questions. We're going to go to questions. We have, uh, we actually are going to go to one on the email first, right. Porrick, Shoot. if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so we go, good morning to Edel, who emailed us in a little bit earlier during the week. Uh, Edel is wondering, and I'm sure this is something that lots of people are wondering about Porrick, um, should she deadhead daffodils and tulips and also, is it okay to feed with Miracle Grow? Yes, and, that, and I mean, she hits it right on the nail. Exactly. That's the list to do over the weekend. The flowers on, on daffodils are going over, as we know. They're producing seed heads at the moment, and all the energy is going into the seed heads. So rather than allow that to happen, just take the scissors, cut back only a couple of inches, really just remove the old flowering shoot, the old seed head off the daffodils. Don't touch the foliage. So just cut the flowering stems back by two to three inches, remove the old seed heads. Same with tulips, and same with bulbs in general, because if if the energy is going into the seed, the production of seed, then you're not going to ripen up the bulbs fully for next year. A lot of that energy is just going to go into the production of seed. The Miracle Grow would be ideal or any liquid feed. Miracle Grow one. The really the purpose at this time, Deirdre, is to build up the bulbs for next year. So daffodils actually start to grow now. The leaves start to get longer. They're starting to produce energy to ripen, to go back into the bulb, to swell it up for next year. And it's often a question we get in February and March, why are my daffodils not flowering? Mm -hmm. And it's because people don't feed them at this time of year. It it seems a funny time to be feeding them, but what you're actually doing is building the bulbs up for next season. So... Excellent. What Adele says is is right on. Cut them. Cut the old flower heads back. Feed them with a liquid feed. I'd feed them now again in about two weeks' time. Um, or if you have a little bit of rose fertilizer, you could put around the daffodils. Or any liquid feed would be good on on daffodils on all bulbs now. Um, and don't cut them back. Don't remove the foliage for at least six weeks after flowering. So we're looking at possibly the end of May before you actually allow the daffodils to die back fully before you actually cut them to ground level. Because that yeah. if you cut them too early, you're just going to diminish the size of the bulb you get less flowers, less foliage next year. So it's all about building up the energy in the bulb for next season. It's also a great time of year to move daffodils. So if you've got them and, and they're in the wrong spot right, so they're all through your roses or whatever and they're in the wrong spot or you want to divide daffodils, now is a great time to dig the clumps up, split them and replant them uh, into new areas in the garden. So if you've got old daffodils and they're very thick clumps, now is a great time to actually lift them, divide them up, they'll come apart very easily and replant them all in the one day. Now they'll look a little bit sad for a mm, couple of mm. days, they'll fall over and swan, but that's fine. They'll reroot, give them the liquid feed and they'll come into flower in the new area next spring. So it's a great time to divide them, to, to move them um, and it's also the time of year that we, we trim off the flower heads and feed daffodils and tulips at this time of year. Okay, but important to remember just the flower heads just the flower head, not the foliage for yeah. at least a six week period okay and is it the same with the tulips then same applies to tulips don't remove the foliage because you're going to now tulips tend not to be as long lived as daffodils mm. I mean if you get you know if you get three or four yeah. or five years out of tulips oh, they okay. tend to be spent after that um, so you get a couple of years out of them you really need to put new ones in again 
but certainly with the daffodils, they're well worth looking after. Okay, lovely. I know you, uh, you see gardens, uh, you know, I suppose that are maybe a little bit more mature and uh, people who have an interest in it. And, you know, for a number of weeks at this time of the year or just gone by, there are a mass of daffodils everywhere. Yeah. And I suppose that is kind of the result of, of looking after them. Looking like after them and, and, you know, and not cutting them back too early and all that, mm. yeah. Okay, great. There you go. Well, good luck, Udell, with that. And uh, hopefully there'll be lots more back for you again next year. Now, is it still early enough to plant rose cuttings? Should they be sowed in clusters or have you any hints? Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't take rose cuttings at this time of year. My advice really is to um, take your cuttings in the autumn. You'll find them a lot easier to root. Take them late September, October. Root them through the winter period and then plant them out in the spring. But it's not too late to plant roses. Actually, the weather conditions at the moment are ideal for planting new roses. So if the listener wants to put in rose in the garden to flower this summer, then my advice really is to put those in. Uh, get yourself a couple of plants and put them in and leave the cuttings until September, October of next year. Okay, great. Now, somebody's wondering if they spray Roundup in ditches, how long before it's safe for sheep to eat? Well, leave it for a couple of weeks. The Roundup will take about 10 to 14 days to, to actually kill the weeds totally. And at that stage, the Roundup, once it, it gets onto the soil, it becomes inactive, so it's not going to damage anything. Just allow the green foliage to go to brown, and then you can allow the sheep back in. So I would leave it for at least 10 to 14 days before letting them back in. Okay, now... Uh, lots of people planting new n- new plants. Um, somebody has a difficulty with cabbage plants. Right. They're being eaten badly. Strips are eaten off the new leaves. They don't think it's slugs and they're wondering what could it be? Well, if, it, if it's the stripping of, of foliage, it, mm. it sounds to me like pigeons, funny oh, enough. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, Is that yeah, the way they some, do it? Well, they do. They do. The pigeons will, will attack uh, particularly if it's, it's winter cabbage, cabbage mm. that somebody has growing through the winter or yeah. new plants going in. Pigeons love the, the young foliage of, of cabbage and the, the, it's a typical kind of stripping of the foliage and they tend to do it very early in the morning so you're not going to be up and about to see them at it. So it sounds to me like if it's not slugs and snails then if it's a stripping of the foliage it sounds to me like pigeons. Again, just net the area out or else use you can use a treatment, grazers, the one with the, we often recommend mm. for the rabbits and the hares. That's actually very effective for pigeons as well and it's very safe to use on vegetable plants so you can simply mix the grazers up in a washing can, apply it to the young cabbage plants and that once the pigeons taste the foliage, they dislike it. There's calcium, lime in the actual uh, mixture and they dislike the taste of that and they won't bother with the with the plants. So that sounds typical pigeon. Pigeon. Pigeon damage, yeah. So okay. pigeon and cabbage. Pie, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Uh, now, is it too early to sow peas, carrots and lettuce from seed in the garden? Well, in the garden? Um, I would say with carrots, dear, to leave them for, for a couple of weeks, yes. Carrots like a war- very warm temperature. Um, so my advice really... A, a trick for, car- a trick for carrots um, is that when, when I do them, I, I actually... You open up the drill, just make a small little drill, fill it with compost, ordinary potting compost, and you'll find that the seeds will germinate a lot more even and, and faster when you use the compost. So the ordinary bagged uh, peat and, and seed and potting compost, multi-purpose compost, put that into the, the carrot drills before you sow the seed and you'll find a far better germination rate. But carrots can be finickety, particularly if the weather is cool, which it has been with frost at night time. Mm. You'll find very 
erratic germination with carrots. So my advice really is to leave them until the middle of April. Wait till the weather warms up a little bit more. Or else, if you're sowing them, cover them with a small poly cover. You can get these small, like a mini tunnel mm. that you can simply place over the carrots and that helps to keep the temperature and the, and the, the frost and heavy dew off the seed and they germinate better. So for carrots, I would leave them certainly another two weeks to sow. Peas, no problem at all. You can start sowing those. Indeed, you could start sowing them indoors for planting out later on right. just to get a jump start. Parsnips, I think, was the other, was it? Uh, uh, peas, carrots and lettuce. Lettuce. Oh, lettuce is no problem at mm. all. Again, you can sow that directly out of si- outdoors. So the things I would be sowing at this time of year would be onions and shallots, garlic. I would sow lettuce, cabbage plants, broccoli, cauliflower, anything in the brassica family, suede's, um, uh, parsnips would be fine to sow out of doors. Peas, certainly, indoors or outdoors to get them started. But the carrots, I would just hold off for about another two weeks, wait till the temperature rises a little bit more. And as I said, use that uh, little tip with the, make the small drill, put in the, the uh, potting compost into the drill and sow the seeds directly into that and just cover them over and you'll find the germination far, far easier. Okay, great. Now, lawn seed. Somebody has set lawn seed a few weeks ago and it's still lying on the top of the soil. They're okay. wondering, should they rake it through? Well, I would have expect them, expected them to to, to have raked no to, to have raked it in after sowing so the, the trip the tick the trick with sowing lawn seed is to obviously prepare the soil well put in some preceding fertilizer before you put on the seed put in the lawn seed and then rake it in so you're mixing mixing the soil with the seed there'll always be a certain maybe 30 percent of the seed visible on the top mm. of the surface and um, so any kind of raking is not going to cover that and that's perfectly okay so if the listener has done that then just leave it well enough alone the temperatures again we okay we've had a uh, 10 days of very warm weather but again we've gone back into very cold weather as well so the seed is just going to sit there so my advice really is just to leave it leave it alone it will germinate but it might take another 6 to 10 days right. before you see the seed germinating so don't do anything really with it um, as long as the listener has mixed it raked it in then leave it well enough alone There's good moisture at the moment the, the, the soil temperature will start to rise now and you will get germination of the seed possibly in about a week or ten days time Okay, lovely stuff. Right, we're going to take a quick little break and uh, we have lots of questions but you can keep them coming in to us just a quick reminder that our text is 87 4141 with thanks to C&C Cellular for Vodafone Mobile Broadband, that's reliable Teresa is taking calls for us this morning on 0818 and if you want to email the program it's garden at midwestradio.ie. We're back in two minutes. Now, Pork, we were just giving out the, me- the phone numbers, but also people, of course, can log on to your website. They can indeed. Mm. It's gardencentre.ie. So it's www gardencentre.ie uh, lots of fact sheets there. We actually, this for Easter, I've done a little children's fact sheet just jobs that children could be doing in the garden while they're off for the over the next week mm-hmm. or so for Easter. Uh, but there's lots of hints and tips anyway, so there's lots of information and fact sheets on the website. So gardencentre.ie just click on there and have a look and see what's there's plenty of information there. Okay, and if there is something on the programme that we've touched on and we've gone too quickly over it, uh, we do have a podcast of the programme as well. You can log on we to We do indeed. Yeah. I actually have the podcast on our website as well, on, on gardencentre.ie. So if you miss something on the programme, just go on to the website and the pro- the, the entirety of the programme is there uh, once we finish. Yep, so there you go. There you go. It's not just between 9 and 10. Um, okay, let's go back to these questions. Um, now, what is the weed killer that kills the grass between the shrubs and can you spray it on the foliage? You should be able to name this now at this stage. <laughs> 
Nell, I'll leave it to you. All right. So the one, the one we, we featured it a couple of weeks back. It's one called Premazer Fifty Seven. So it's a, it's a, what we call a residual weed killer. It's used on shrub beds, rose beds, fruit gardens, uh, underneath, say hedges, anywhere that you've got permanent plants and you want to keep the soil weed free. So first of all, it's important to get the the soil weed free. So if there are any young weeds there, hoe them out, clean off the bed, rake off the bed, and then apply the premazer in a washing can or sprayer. Now, as I said before, you can you can put it, it doesn't matter if it drips on some of the foliage or stems, it won't damage the plant through its foliage. Um, but once it hits the soil, any weed seeds that come in contact with the soil is killed off and it keeps the, the bed weed free for a six month period. So if you apply it now, your shrub bed, your rose bed, underneath your hedge or whatever will be weed free right through to the end of Oh, well, you know, to the end of the summer. Okay. I use it on, say, under um, fruit, under the apple trees and fruit trees in the garden. I find it very effective. So that's pre-mazer. You can actually put it on weather like today where it's a bit misty and, and wet. It's fine to put it on. You don't need it necessarily a dry day to apply it. Okay. So just follow the instructions. So that's a, th- uh, a weed killer called pre-mazer. And it's really to prevent weeds from growing. It's not going to kill any weeds that are there at but the it's moment. stopping the ones coming up. Correct. Okay. Correct. Now, a very poor flower return from daffodils for the right. past few years. Yeah. So somebody says, now, they're not cutting them back too early, but Good. they're planted under a copper beech tree. Would that make any difference? Yes, it would. I mean, the, the copper beech would, would certainly be very competitive with the, the daffodils and also cast, well, yeah, it wouldn't really it'll cast shade in the summertime as it's growing. My, my advice really is to lift them take them out of that area and as I said earlier now is a great time to do that so just dig the the bulbs up and plant them somewhere else in a bright sunny location and feed them well this this year and you should get plenty of flower from them the the, the beach you see as we go through beach isn't in leaf yet but as we go through May June and July um, as the daffodils are, are trying to produce energy naturally enough this shade being cast by the, the beach it's also going to rob nutrition from the bulbs as well so my advice really is just to lift them transplant them somewhere else and where you put them they're going to flower if you if you feed them now they'll flower well next year and they'll build themselves up over the next couple of years great now can you recommend an organic green fly spray for using <clears throat> on house plants the green fly are thick on new leaves oh yeah there will be at this time of year green fly particularly with that warm weather they're going to be um, jumping, lepping around right. the place. So, um, yeah, the, the, the organic spray I would use is one called pyrethrum. Pyrethrum, P-Y-R-T-H-R-U-M, from memory, pyrethrum. It's an organic spray. It's actually made from a plant, from the pyrethrum plant. Um, so it's very good to use on house plants. You can also use it on, on vegetables and flowers, and it's an organic um it's an organic treatment. So that's one called pyrethrum. Simply mix it in water. If it's an indoor plant, maybe into a little mister, a little mm-hmm. hand mister, right. and just apply it to the young foliage and that'll see the green. I'd even, if you can, take the plants out of doors and apply the pyrethrum spray to them. Leave them for a couple of minutes or maybe half an hour and bring them back in and that'll see your green fly well and truly gone. Okay, good stuff. Now, you mentioned, obviously, lots of good ideas for children at the moment. Somebody would like to grow some sunflowers this summer with their children and they're wondering, is there a particular type of seed to plant? There seems to be a lot of different types. Oh, there are. In in sunflowers, you can get dwarf varieties, you can get multicoloured varieties, single doubles and so on. So there's many different Mm. varieties. I would, one of the best ones, if you're into really tall sunflower go for one called russian giant 
Russian giant. So as the, as the name suggests, yes. it's a big one. It really grows very tall. It'll grow seven, eight, nine feet high. Sow the seed indoors now. So get yourself a small pot or tray. The seeds are quite large on sunflowers, so they're great for children. And a little bit of multi-purpose compost, put it into a pot or a tray. Make sure it's moist. Put the seed in. You'll fit 10 to 12 seed in a small pot. Cover the seed with, with compost and cover it with cling film. Right. And leave it sitting on a warm windowsill for about a fortnight, three-week period. Mm. Um, let the plants grow on then. Take the cling film off. Allow them to grow on for another couple of weeks and plant them out about the middle of May. So wait till the warm weather really comes and get a good, sunny, bright location. Remember, they're going to grow seven or eight feet tall. So put in plenty of organic matter or compost when you're planting them and make sure you stake them. Put a, a bamboo, strong, nice. stout bamboo cane on them when they're about four feet, five feet high. Feed them during the summer months and they'll come into flower July, August, September. But don't take them out at that time of year because the seed on sunflowers sets and the birds love the seed from the sunflower. So leave them alone in September and October. You get all the wild birds mm. coming in and feeding off the wild sunflower seed. So great time to sow them. Russian giant would be the variety I go if you want a really, really tall variety. And then do they come back the next year? or no. you don't, they're, they're annuals. They're an annual, right? Yeah, but you could save some of the seed, mm. if you wish, mm. from the sunflowers or you can just, you know, re- propagate them again. Yeah. They're, so they're an annual plant. They, they die at the end of the year. But you'd leave them well into the winter because they, they, even though the plants look withered and battered, the, the, the seed is still there and the birds will come in and keep feeding. And off one flower, on the sunflower, you could have anything up to 50 to 100 seed off that one flower. And <coughs> birds just love, they absolutely love the, the, the wild sunflower seed this, you know, during the winter. Okay. So... So Russian giant and I Russian giant and I suppose if you are growing a sunflower with particularly with children you're looking for something that is going to be tall, tall and big and yeah. you know everything that kind of we associate with sunflowers and it is like so the Russian great. giant is a beautiful big yellow flowering variety it comes in the Thompson and Morgan range and it's certainly one I'd recommend but do sow it indoors it needs okay. to start it off and don't put it out too early wait until the weather really warms up and when there's no risk of frost so you're looking at the middle of May at, at, at the earliest before planting them out lovely stuff right now from sunflowers to roses somebody is wondering how do they go about planting a rose bed my mother loves scented roses right. and I'd like to plant about six or eight what okay. type of soil and area in the garden well first of all it's, it's a great time of year for planting them the, 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 the roses are about four or five inches of, of new growth maybe six inches of new growth on them at the moment so it's a great time to plant them the, what, what do they need well they need a sunny location so somewhere bright and sunny in the garden they need a relatively rich soil so I would pick a nice flower border or shrub border or an area that's in the sun has got reasonably good soil but enrich that with some organic matter so if you can get your hands on some the ordinary farmer manure or chicken manure that would be ideal because roses are very hungry or else buy a couple of bags of composted manure and dig that into the soil into that I'd add some fertiliser at this time of year so the sudden impact the rose feed add that in as you're tilling the soil and preparing the soil mm-hmm. and then it's a matter of just planting the roses so if you want scented varieties look for varieties like Lucky which is a beautiful pink, double pink, scented variety. Really, really nice one. One that, that you would know, um, Rhapsody in Blue. Oh, yes. We remember we featured yeah, that one. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Beautiful, kind of a, a two-tony, purpley yeah. blue flower, really highly scented. Uh, Fragrant Cloud is another nice red one. Arthur Bell, look at this, loads of scented varieties. Just go into your local garden centre and ask for the scented varieties. But they're particularly good. Lucky, Rhapsody in Blue, um, Fragrant Cloud, Arthur Bell are all really nice ones. Also look for maybe some of the David Austin roses. They're more, uh, they're more like a kind of a wild rose, like a shrub rose. Big, blousy flowers. Um, and again, there's many varieties in the Austin, uh, the David Austin collection that are highly scented. They're like the old cottage garden roses, right. and particularly if it's for her mother, 
um, you know, that might just go a bit of nostalgia and bring you back to the old, mm. big, blousy cottage garden roses. So, first of all, it's a great time to plant. Pick a sunny location. Till the soil well, prepare it well because roses are hungry and now's the time to plant them. Space them about three feet apart would be the normal spacing for roses. And generally I would advise to plant maybe, you're looking at what, seven or eight maybe roses. Plant maybe two varieties or three varieties but put in two or three of each. You tend to get, rather than having seven or eight different types, it tends to look nicer if you put in two or three of the same variety to form a cluster that tends to work better. Okay. Lovely. All right. Right. Well, hopefully there'll be lots of colour and uh, scent there. Uh, Lucy, thank well, you for Well, they're great because the, by planting them now, they are going to flower this summer. That's one thing guaranteed. You'll have plenty of roses in bloom. And the last, you generally get a 15, 20 years out of a rose bush. Oh. So. so it's a good investment yeah, at the end indeed. of the day. Right. Somebody, I know we had a lawn question. This is kind of continuing on from it and a bit more information for it. They want to sow a new lawn for the summer. Now, the area that they want to sow it in is full of wild grass and weeds. Okay. So what do they use to clear it first that won't affect the soil? Right. Well, so it's important to, it is important to clean the soil. Um, so don't go digging it or, or tilling it without eliminating the, the grass and the weeds that are there because that's just going to come back up into the lawn again. So my advice really is the next dry day, get yourself a little bit of 360 or Roundup, apply it to the area. That'll kill the the weeds and grass without affecting the soil. It'll take about 10 days to work. Uh, It's a matter then of digging over the soil, preparing the soil well, putting in some preceding fertiliser. So get some spring and summer fertiliser, put that into the lawn before you sow the seed. Make sure that the the ground after tilling is nice and firm. So when you walk across it, you're not sinking, but you, you might leave a footprint, but you're not actually sinking down. So that's important that the lawn is firm underneath. Remove any stones or debris so it's going to take a little bit of rake, raking to get that done just before you put the seed on put in the fertilizer rake it in then put on the seed rake it in and it should take about three to four weeks at this time of year for that seed to germinate and you'll have an excellent lawn by late july early august my advice really is to look for a dwarf seed something like a dwarf number two because you know you don't want a vigorous grass you want something that's going to be creeping so, and generally grass mixtures when you buy them it's like buying tea mm. it's a mixture of different blends of seed right. so when you buy a, a, num- a dwarf number two you might have four different varieties of seed mixed together and pre- they're predominantly creeping or slow growing so make it's well worth it remember that a lawn is for life so you're not going to be changing it in three yeah. or four years' time. Yeah. So it's well worth investing in a good quality seed, one that won't grow very fast. It'll save on the mowing down downstream. So it's a great time of year to do it. So the next dry day, the, the key thing is to get rid of the weeds and grass that are there at the moment. And I would use the 360. Um, and within 10 days, you're ready to till, till the soil and get the lawn in. Okay, so it's about the preparation. It really is. And mm. it, pays, it pays on the preparation side, but also pay, pays on the quality Quite of seed side. that you put in. So don't be tempted with hayseed or, you know, you'll, get, get you'll yourself living, a good... You'll be living to regret You will. And yeah. get a good quality dwarf number two seed and make sure there's a, there's three to four varieties mixed in together so you get a good creeping and dwarf effect. Okay, great. Now, broccoli question. Why does broccoli, broccoli. go into flower so quickly? Well, broccoli, what, what are you eating when you're eating the, the broccoli? The seed, is it? No, you're eating the, the flower, flower heads. Oh, right. So broccoli is, is the unopened flowers oh. of the broccoli plant and of course the, what, what is the plant trying to do? It's trying to reproduce itself, it's trying to produce seed so naturally enough broccoli is one of those plants that you can't leave hanging around it doesn't wait for you. If, if you're not out there picking it when the, when the, the um, flower 
flowers are really tight, then it's just going to run to flower. The plant is doing what it's it's supposed to do. Yeah. Now, sometimes if the plants are under a bit of stress, if they've got dry, dry or there's not enough nutrition in the soil, if they're hungry and they're not doing so well, they run to seed. So they don't give you an opportunity. They actually grow quite quickly. Mm. They look very weedy. And next thing, the yellow flowers are out very, very fast. When that happens, that's a sign that they're under stress. The soil conditions aren't right. There could be some pest damage there. Um, there's, there's a problem if they run to seed early. But the, the normal broccoli or calabrese that, that we plant at this time of year, the green broccoli you buy in the shops, what you're eating is the undeveloped flowers. And actually enough, if you, if you leave them a week too late, the flowers have opened. The plant is doing what it's supposed to do. It's trying to reproduce and produce its own seed. So my advice really is to is to plant, first of all, broccoli in succession. So plant maybe f- six plants today. In three or four weeks' time, plant another six plants. So have them coming at different times. And when they do start to form the curds, the actual flower head, pick them when they're small. Right. Freeze them if you have to. So stick them in the freezer if you've got too much. And that's what generally happens. People take a couple, a couple of heads and next thing they're, you know, they, they forget them for a week or two and they've gone to flower. The next time they go out, they've gone to flower. So you want really batches, small batches coming on at different periods. Um, the green broccoli is the one to plant at this time of year. There's also the purple sprouting I broccoli. I have to say, it's one of my favourite vegetables. I love it. There you go. Mm, it you, is good. Purple sprouting broccoli. It's so delicious. And so easy to go. Yeah. And grow. if you can go out to the garden and pick a bit off and bring it in and cook it for the dinner, it's just heaven. And the lovely thing about it is that you... you you predominantly harvest it in the autumn, winter, springtime. And at that time of year, it's because of the cold temperatures, it doesn't run to seed as quickly. It's like putting a flower in a fridge. The cold temperatures through the winter holds the broccoli back. So by all means, plant your summer flowering broccoli this time of year. The plants are available now. Mm. You can also sow some seed. But about the end of May, early June is the time to sow the seed of purple sprouting broccoli. And you'll have broccoli right through the winter. And you won't have the same problem of it running to seed because the winter will actually hold it back. And you can use broccoli. People that have in the garden have been using it from October right through till February, March of this year. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely love it. So give it a go. Brown spots on cabbage, pork. What would that be? That's a little thing called chocolate sprout. It's just a, a, a fungal. Um, it's like black spot on roses. What I would do is just take off the damaged leaves. Just take them off. The new leaves coming forward would be perfectly okay. Um, so don't worry about it. Just remove the damaged um, the damaged leaves. D- dis- dispose of them. Put them in the refuse sack and get get rid of them. Get them out of the garden. And any new leaves coming forward would be perfectly okay. Okay, good stuff. Um, we'll take one more and then we'll take another quick break. Um, somebody wants to know uh, where can they get mauve ageratum? Ageratum? Ageratum, ageratum. Yeah. Um They find it hard to get them. Um, would garden centres have them in bedding plant form? Well, they, they generally do. And you really probably want... Ageratum, first of all, is a lovely, small, dwarf border plant. Um, very delicate, a bluey mauve colour. It comes in white, funnily enough, as well. Now, what the listener can do is sow seed of it at this time of year. It's still not too late if mm-hmm. they want to put some seed in. But really, ring round the garden centres because ageratum wouldn't be as popular as it was uh, years ago. For, for many years it was is one of the stable bedding plants that everyone oh, I know planted it. I know it now. it's a really dwarf yeah, small yeah, yeah. Uh, little flowers blue yeah, yeah, yeah very mauve blue lovely little lovely little plant lovely with marigolds actually with French marigolds goes very well um, it tends not to be that popular now people have kind of gone to the lobelias or the or the begonias or something probably more dramatic mm. um, so not all garden centres will stock it or they may only stock it for a very short period so it should be coming available it is frost sensitive so I wouldn't plant it out just yet so it should be coming available about the end of April early May is when to start looking for it and um, but 
having said that, you can sow it from seed as well. You can buy the seed of Adjuratum, sow it indoors, like I mentioned with the sunflower seed, and you've got your own plants then. You're guaranteed to have it this year. Okay. And Adjuratum sown now will flower about mid, the middle of June and it will continue to flower up until late August, September. So it goes for quite a period and plant it with French marigolds. It's lovely, lovely with it. Excellent. Okay, let's take a quick break. Uh, you can keep questions coming to us. We've uh, lots more to come, so stay with us. Okay, you're very welcome back. Lots of different kinds of questions for you, Porrick. Ah, yeah, a bit of variety. Spice of life. Busy. We're keeping you yeah. busy. Now, uh, where the devil was I here at all? Yes, busy Lizzie's. It's mm. plant that you don't hear maybe an awful lot of these days. But somebody is wondering, it's hard to get them, they tell us, this year. Um, would you suggest a better bedding plant or what is the story well, with busy Lizzie's? Well, busy Lizzie's have been one of the most popular plants um, and a, a favourite of mine as well because they, they tend to love our west of Ireland yeah. conditions. If it's a wet summer, they still do well if it's a dry summer as long as you keep them watered they do very well funny enough busy lizzies um have you're going to find them very difficult to get this year because worldwide they have been hit with a disease there's a disease really? of busy lizzies yeah believe it or not it's, it's a mildew that actually attacks the the plants and they once planted they start to just deteriorate and go back um it's spread by it's spread by moisture right. and a lot of the growers are not growing busy lizzies this year reason. for that reason for that reason so you may find them available um, but I suppose keep an eye on them I would if I'm plant, if you're planting them certainly put on, put on maybe a little bit of fungicide on them just to keep keep them at bay but it, they, they're finding that this new disease is actually quite rampant and difficult to control so a better plant might be something like begonias the bedding begonias will be good they're, they don't suffer from and this new disease. Mm. Uh, double flowering begonias will be good. Marigolds, all the traditional beddings, dahlias. So maybe stay away from the bizalizies this year. Um, or so, certainly don't plant as much of them. Don't do big beds of them this year. Maybe, you know, try, try some in mm. containers and so on. But they have, they certainly have been affected. And um, my advice really is plant them, maybe not plant them at all or plant very little of them this year. But I think you're going to find them difficult to get. I know certainly a couple of the Irish growers are just not bothering with them this year. Right, because of, of Because of the disease, yeah. Okay. The disease on busy lizzies. And maybe we'll find that they'll, they'll, they'll get a resistant variety or they'll get a treatment that'll just um, correct that. But at the moment, certainly, um, ran right through Europe. It's not just, you know, in Ireland. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right, it's right through England. It's right through uh, all of Europe. Uh, busy lizzies have been decimated last year. So right. a lot of the growers have gone away from them. But, but any of the other traditional bedding plants are perfectly okay, so... So you still have lots of options. Stick, stick, yeah, stick to the old reliables. Okay. Now, cherry <coughs> tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, somebody's wondering, do you have to take side shoots from cherry tomatoes? It depends what variety it is. If it's if it's varieties like Tumblr, Tumbling Tom, um, those kind of varieties that we put in containers or hanging baskets, then no, you don't do any side shoot. Uh, you don't remove any side shoot. But any of the small cherry tomatoes like Gardener's Delight um, or, or any of the upright, the taller tomatoes yes you do and what we mean by removing the side shoots and you do it with all tomato plants apart from the the varieties for containers you just remove it it's where this the it the plant produces a, a side stem between the leaf axle and the main stem so any little side shoots that are coming off the tomato plants you remove those under otherwise you end up with a big mess of foliage and flowers um, and the fruit tends to be hidden right. so as the plant is growing as the garden's delight is growing you just simply remove the side shoots leave the top shoot alone and the flowers come off the fruit come on on it perfectly okay um, so 
yes, the answer to for most cherry varieties, you would remove the side shoots. Okay. Now, somebody is wondering, how do you get rid of Montbrichia? It's got an orange flower and it's taken over the lawn. And it, it tends to do that. That's Crocrosmia, the, the wild Montbrichia. Mm. Lovely plant in, mm. in July and August. And, and uh, a nice bit of colour if you're looking nice for a bit of colour. Nice bit of colour and yeah. it's such an easy plant to grow, but I suppose, what do they say about weeds? It's it's the, it's the any flower that's in the wrong position. Um, <laughs> that's what that's the, the, the kind of technical term. So any plant can be a weed if it's, it's growing in the wrong or location. Or any weed can be a flower. Exactly, <laughs> okay. exactly. So with um what you're dealing with there is, is a perennial plant. It's grown from a bulb. Uh, it, it propagates itself very rapidly and my advice really is to leave it alone for about another two or three weeks or if you want, you can put a little bit of fertiliser on it and make it nice and soft and then apply um, a little bit of Roundup or 360 will kill it off. Any of the systemic weed killers that will go down into the root of the plant will kill it off but allow plenty of foliage to come on the Mount Brescia first of all. Now the other thing you can do is dig it out. You can simply dig up the clumps and dispose of them or plant them somewhere else in the garden if you know move it from the location it's in but you must remove all the bulbs that are there so either dig it up and transplant it or wait for another two or three weeks allow the foliage to come on and then hit it with one of the uh, systemic weed killers and that will kill it kill it off now uh, somebody's wondering about a good fertilizer for potatoes a potato fertilizer just that's what it's called yeah that's Sorry. what it's called. <laughs> I if you go, you're being smart there. No, no. If, if you go to your local garden centre, you get um, you get a potato. You can actually, the, the, you, if you ask for a potato fertiliser. Oh, right. Now, you can also use things like sea mungus, which is a very good um, natural made from seaweed. Uh, you could also use grow more, which is a good balanced fertiliser mm-hmm. for all vegetables, but it'll do potatoes as well. So, but sea mungus... Um, what did I say? Grow or, more or potato fertiliser. Okay. If you ask for potato fertiliser. And you can use that potato fertiliser on other vegetables as well. You can use it on your lettuce and cabbage and so on as well. Okay. It's granulated feed. Okay. Now we have rhubarb that isn't doing that well. What would be the problem? Well, it, it really depends why. I mean, rhubarb, as it, as it tends to get older, a bit like ourselves, it starts to slow down and you can re- regenerate it. Yeah. <laughs> you can regenerate it in the wintertime by digging it up and, and, and splitting it and transplanting it. So it could be an age thing. Yeah, okay. It could be a fact that... And it, rhubarb, remember that it grows from nothing up to two or three feet and grows over a very short period that it needs quite a rich ground and needs plenty of feeding. So what I would normally do in the winter is apply some organic matter, horse manure, rotten manure, applied over the actual rhubarb in the winter time, um, replenishes the nutrition in the soil. You could also feed it at this time of year with Growmore or with your potato fertiliser or a Seamungus fertiliser or Sudden Impact. Any of those could be applied now, granulated feed, to give them a bit of a boost. Okay. Um, so it really depends, dear, to why. If Certainly if they're old plants, I would... I would advise to split them this winter and transplant them and prepare the soil well by putting in plenty of organic matter. If they're young plants, then give them a feed now of something like Seamungus or Sudden Impact mm-hmm. just to give them a bit of a boost. And this coming winter, apply a heavy dressing of organic matter on the top of the plant and that will, right over the top on the stems and so on, about a six-inch layer and the rhubarb will grow right through it. Now, rhubarb is actually doing very well this year. It's you know it's it's flying okay. and and I've noticed it's it's not flowering. The other couple of years it actually had come into flower very early. I don't notice the flowers on rhubarb so this year. So it's staying in the stem area. Yeah, it's really 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 it. healthy. I mean, right. it's, it's if anything, it's it's too good. There's, there's so much picking of it at the moment that right. it's it's actually done. It's done very well. It's really responded well to the warm weather and, and the moisture levels. So yeah, I'm surprised this plant. So it would kind of say to me maybe the plants are a little bit old, or maybe the ground is just a little bit hungry. 
Good. Now we have uh, in on the email uh, just now as well yeah. uh, a, a question about garlic. I think sometimes we think garlic is a very exotic plant, but no, we, no, yeah, we yeah. grow it really well in of Ireland. Of course you can. Um, so somebody's wondering: Does it grow like onions? Can you use the green parts as it is growing, and does it form bulbs in the same year? And should you dig them up in September? Yes. Well, yes. sorry, it's a lot yes, of questions there. Yes, 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 is the answer. Mm. Um, so first of all, it's very easy to grow. Mm. Uh, when you you buy the cloves, like the cloves that you buy in the shops. Now, don't use the ones that you buy, buy in the shops because shop. they're often treated to to stop them from sprouting. So you go into your local garden centre, ask them for a packet of garlic. It's cheap to buy. You buy a clove and you split it up like you would for cooking. So each individual piece mm. will form a new garlic plant. Great time to plant it. Um, you plant it like onions. So prepare the soil well. Rake in a little bit of fertilizer make a little ridge or a drill, stick the, the cloves into the ground with just the nibs tip, uh, point, pointing over the top of the soil right. and space the, the each clove about eight inches apart in a nice line. Leave them alone, they'll, they'll kick into growth. Feed, give them an odd liquid feed during the summer. They need a long growing period. Right. So leave them alone in the ground until about September, October. And at that time of year, they'll have formed fine big clumps. You lift them, you dry them like an onion so you hang them up in the, in the tunnel mm-hmm. of the greenhouse or if you have a, a very warm autumn you can just leave them out in a pathway to dry and then store them for the winter and use them um, as you want them and there, there are many different varieties of garlic so depending on how, how, how garlicky, garlicky you, want, you yeah. want it you can get very different varieties with different strengths so there's mild varieties there's medium and strong varieties so they're still available in the garden centres great time to plant them okay. the other thing if you want um, there's a nice plant called garlic chives you know the ordinary chives yes yeah well you can get a garlic flavoured chives believe it or not which if, if you want to use the green stems so like you use in ordinary chives it gives a lovely rich garlicky taste it's not too strong um, but it's lovely in sauces or in sandwiches or whatever so get yourself a garlic a bunch of garlic chives plant them in the garden and you've got those green pickings right through the summer so you're not waiting to the autumn for the garden yeah so maybe plant a bit of both yeah. But it's a great time to plant bulbs of garlic. It's also a great time to plant garlic chives. chives. Okay. I and and garlic, garlic chives are perennial. So once you put them in, they're looking after they come back year it. after year right. after year. They die down in the winter but re-emerge right. and they've got that lovely garlicky flavour. Okay. A bit like regular chives. Just like really. ordinary. Yeah. Exactly. It's the same plant as regular chives Just except has it has a garlicky twist to it. Lovely. Okay, what's the name of the plant? Uh, well, the one we talked about at the start of the programme, just to, to reiterate it, that prevents the flies. Well, I'll, I'll read the label yes. because I call it the lemon-scented geranium, but it's actually called geranium scented leaf orange fizz. Okay. Orange fizz. Um, so that's us in the garden centre for the lemon centre. You'll know it because yeah. as soon as you put your hand, hand on, on the leaf mm-hmm. and smell, smell, you get the beautiful citrus smell. Yeah, it is. It's gorgeous. One for the flies. They're landy trees. They're 25 years old pork. They're right. not dead, but there's some of the branches are brown. Is there anything this person can do? Well, when you see browning in Leylandii, particularly when the stems go brown, then that's a sign that those stems are dead, are dying. Um, I would remove any, any damaged or de- dead uh, stems on, on Leylands because they're not going to come back. So it really depends <coughs> how much damage is on the plants. If it's an odd brown branch, then just remove it. Don't worry too much about it. Um, you know, certainly you could give it a little bit of granulated feed. It'll, it'll It'll put on some new growth. Mm. We're coming up to the time, certainly by June, we'll be coming up to the time of year for trimming the Leylandia's back as well. So what I would do in this case is just remove any of the damaged stems that are there. They're not going to come back, so follow them right into where they're coming from, cut them off. Um, by all means, you could certainly give the, the, the hedge a feed of the, at this time of year, a shrub feed, and then in June, give it a light pruning back, take six or eight inches of growth off it, and that'll help to fill in any bare patches it may have. Okay. Now, somebody would like to plant cabbage, but they want to get rid of the slugs before they plant. Is that possible? 
Well, is it possible? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's possible that you can put down some slug control beforehand. Mm. But look, to be honest, I would put the plants in. See and see if they're there. Yeah, see if they're there, or you use the organic, um, the organic pellet, the one called Slug Death. If you, you know, yeah. use that one for for slug control. Uh, but no, look, go ahead and get the plants in. Um, you can apply a little bit of of uh, Slug Death, and that's mm. an organic treatment. It's a pellet. It doesn't do any harm to pets or children or or, or birds, um, but it'll certainly control yeah, your your slugs a bit. Or use some of the beer traps or some of the slug traps. You can buy a little slug trap as well, an organic way of keeping the slugs at bay. Mm. But get the cabbage in now. It's time to be to be getting on with it. Okay. Plant maybe a few extra plants for the slugs. <laughs> How about a, that? That's a very organic garden altogether. <laughs> one for me, mm, one yeah, for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. Is old horse manure good for roses? It's excellent, but I wouldn't use it at this time of year because it tends to force a lot of, of uh, new growth. First of all, the horse manure needs to be well rotted, so it needs to be at least a season, probably two seasons old. Um, I would use it generally when you're planting new roses or use it very early in the spring, back in February, early March. Mm. At this time of year, you're better to use a granulated high potash feed because you want to promote flowers in the roses. If you put a lot of the horse manure on, you get a lot of soft vegetative growth, which can attract mildews and uh, black spot and so on if the foliage is very soft on roses. So really at this time of year, I would... Uh, for a granulated feed like Sudden Impact or one of the top rows, one of the rose fertilisers, apply that now and hold off with the horse manure until the the uh, early spring of next year or if you're planting new roses or if you've got rhubarb in the garden or something else like that, okay. use the horse manure there. Potatoes, for example, would be great for planting a few spuds. Okay, yeah. and give them a... Yeah. Lots of, of nutrition. Flavor. Mm. <laughs> what? Somebody has a huge ash heap um, and they're wondering, can they use <clears> it in the garden? And if they can, what would you put it on? Well, ash ash um, really has nothing or very little in its con. It might have a little bit of potash. Right. And, but the one thing, what, 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 um, what, what thing that dislikes ash are slugs. They won't creep across because they pick it up on their bodies. Now, having said that, if you put ash around plants, it takes a long time for it to decompose right. and work into the soil yeah. and it can be very messy and very mucky if you're walking in that area mm. um, so if it's clinkers and kind of something you know say you're, you're, you're uh, burning coal and there's quite a there's a good bit of clinkers that could certainly be dug into the soil but turf ash and wood ash there's very little nutrition in it of any small bit of potash and really I wouldn't be using a whole lot of it in the garden okay. you, there's no harm to digging into the soil and get rid of it in that mm. way but it doesn't it won't feed plants it won't do anything in particular it will help to keep the slugs and snails away but do remember that once you apply it it can be very messy Okay. Uh, so I wouldn't be putting it around my vegetables or whatever where you're going to be going in and cutting yeah. the plants you'll be picking it up in your shoes and your hands and okay. on the plants themselves yeah, so right. Okay. Uh, so now, what it could, if you were making a compost heap, yeah. you could add certainly uh, some of it into the compost heap. No right. harm at all, as long as you don't use too much of it, um, or you can certainly dig it into the soil and get rid of it that way. But don't see it as a fertilizer or, of any huge benefit in the garden. Now, is it time to plant main crop potatoes or should you wait another few weeks? No, no, no. Get them in and plant them. Um, you know, I think we said earlier that St. Patrick's Day is kind of the official day of, for planting potatoes in the garden. No, you've still plenty of time to plant them, but I would get them in now. Remember that they're after planting, it's going to make sure you cover them well, that you put in some organic fertilizer when you're planting them, like the sea mungus or some of the horse manure. Plant your potatoes. You're going to be covering them with eight to nine inches of soil. So that's going to keep any frost or any coldness away from them. So they're going to take at least five, five to six weeks to, to appear through the soil by planting them now. So there'll be no risk of frost. So get them in now, really. 
this weekend over the next week to 10 days get your main crop potatoes it's still not too early to plant first earlies or second earlies as well but get on with all those those sort of jobs get them in okay last question I'm afraid for you because time is almost up um, somebody loves the flowering the summer flowering clematis but they find them hard to grow any tips on what types might be easier to grow right well they can be they, they, sometimes clematis can suffer from clematis wilt where the wilt back but some of the easier varieties will be varieties like Bees Jubilee which is a beautiful two-tone variety there's another great one called Hagley Hybrid it's a lovely pink it flowers early and it flowers right through the season yep. Jackmania is another lovely purple variety there's some of the Vichicelli varieties Clematis vichicelli, which are smaller flowering, but are don't suffer from diseases like some of the traditional clematis. So right. look for vichicelli varieties, which again flower kind of uh, late summer into autumn period. So for me, Bees Jubilee is a great variety of clematis. Hagley Hybrid, uh, Jackmanii, Nelly Moser is another, another lovely one. Um, the vichicelli varieties are really good as well. And if you want something then to flower a bit earlier at this time of year, look for the Montana clematis, which are very, very vigorous, very easy to grow, spread really rapidly. They'll put on 10 to 15 to grow per year and a good time to plant them. So they'll flower this time of year and then you'll have Bees Jubilee and Hagley Hybrid flowering through the summer period. Soil preparation is important, plenty of organic batter for clematis and make sure they don't dry out when they're in flower. They use lots of water when they're blooming. So liquid feed them and water them well during the, the summer period. Okay. Yeah, but great time to plant them. Okay. Super time to plant them. Okay, good luck with that, caller. Uh, that's all we have time for. So, lots of information on Can I mention one thing, Please actually? Please do. Yep. Next Thursday... I nearly forgot. Next Thursday, we've we a night organised in the garden centre in Turlock. We've actually we've invited ten of the top Irish nurseries to come down. So they're going to be bringing their plants. They're going to be available on the night to talk to our listeners from seven to nine pm. It's a free night of gardening. So come down to the garden centre in Turlock and Castle Bar seven to nine pm next Thursday, April twelfth. Um, ten eight to ten of the top. Irish nursery guys are going to be there. They'll have all the new plants for this year. They'll give lots of advice. Um, so it'll be a free night of gardening and lots of hints and tips. You won't have to listen to me. There'll be, <laughs> there'll be eight or ten of, of our top nursery people there to talk to you. Okay. And, and we'll have people kind of that'll specialise in patio plants, some that'll specialise in hedging, specialise in different areas. Okay. So it's a night not to be missed. Okay, so Thursday. Thursday, April 12th, 7 to 9pm. It's a free night in Hawkins in Turlock and Castlebar. Porik, thank you very much. Thank you, Deirdre. And, we'll and happy to Easter you, to you. Again. And to you. And to you. We'll talk to you again next week. Good morning, listeners.